great to be together again. Well, we're in our eighth week in this series of messages, Making Your Life Count. And last week, we started to look at five points that were at work in the lives of believers at Rome that Paul commended in Romans chapter 16. We managed to cover two points last week, and today we're going to cover hopefully the remaining three points that were at really that were at the heart of the people that were in Rome who Paul were commending as they sought to make their lives count together in their work for Jesus. Just to recap briefly as we begin today, last week I pointed out firstly that threaded through all of their lives, through all of these believers' lives in Rome was that they were all active and not passive. Every person that Paul thanked and honored in Romans chapter 16 that we've looked at in detail over the past several weeks were actively participating in building and strengthening the church. And that's a wonderful encouragement to every single one of us that call King's Church our home because we, just like those faithful believers in Rome, have been joined together as one in Christ Jesus to serve in His church together, to serve with the grace of God that's been given to each and every one of us, all of us, Every single one of us, without exception, are called to action, called to active service, not to be passive in any way, but to use our God-given gifts, our talents, and our abilities in building the church together. We looked at that last week. They were active together and not passive and then we moved on to a second key point of observation that these believers at Rome had in seeing that their differences brought diversity and not division. All the people that Paul loved and spoke so highly of in Romans chapter 16 were all very different, very different in many ways, but all of their differences didn't leave them divided or scattered. No, they used their differences to unite them and make them stronger together. Every Sunday as we meet and when we gather in our midweek fellowship together, it's wonderful always to appreciate the differences and the diverse lives we have. Look around the room this morning. I'm sure as you've come in, you've appreciated the diversity that's just in this room alone. It's, wonder, it's wonderful to celebrate that diversity and not to be divided by it. All of our many differences, and there are many differences among us, are there to unite us, to strengthen us not to divide us in any way. This is the wonderful thing about the body of Christ. This is the wonderful thing about the church. 
It's full of diversity. It's full of difference. But that is there to be celebrated. That is there as a result of God's glory and to bring great unity and strength among us. Now, the third point of observation that I want to bring to you today that we can see among these believers in Romans chapter 16 is that they completed, not competed with one another. Now, this is important because a competitive nature that tries to get above others never fits into the church that Paul reveals, nor is it ever a part of the new nature that we have in Christ Jesus. We, all of us, are born again to compete, complete one another, not to compete against one another in Christ. Paul, as we saw last week, likened the church to a human body. And when he had to correct believers at Corinth, he used this picture of a human body to describe the church. Because unlike the believers at Rome, the believers at Corinth were caught up in competing against one another instead of completing one another in Christ Jesus. So Paul, very simply and brilliantly, likens a human body to the church, Christ's body. And by doing this, the believers at Corinth who were fiercely competing against each other would see how ridiculous and absurd it would be for their members within their own body to compete and be in conflict against each other. These believers at Corinth would readily accept that the members of their own physical bodies worked in unison with order and coordination. And so Paul used, in his teaching, very wisely and very strategically, these very facts about their human bodies to confirm and correct them on this matter. Listen to how Paul wisely deals with the competitive spirit that was present at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 20 through to verse 22, Paul says this, As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So Paul here, in these words, in 1 Corinthians 12, is powerfully illustrating to the believers in Corinth that each and every member in the body serves a bigger purpose than its own. Paul's helping them to understand that the function of each part of the body operates solely for the good of all the other members. And at the same time, in these words, he warns them that no part, no individual part of the body can eradicate the need for any other part of that body. 
because no one part has the ability to take on any other's purpose. The big picture and the message that Paul is sending out to that church that was fiercely competing one with another is that we need one another. We're vitally joined together by God, set in our respective places, not randomly, but exactly positioned by God. And only together can we be all that God has destined us to be. Paul's picture of the body also points out that each and every member within the body has inbuilt, prescribed limits. And these inbuilt limits are not a disadvantage. They are there by design, making us dependent on one another. This simply means that what one part cannot possibly do, another part can do with ease because of its unique design and its placement there by God. Your eye, for instance, has been specifically designed for sight. And because of this, it has no ability to pick up objects. The design determines the limits. Our hands can hold and touch and lift things. But hands are not designed to stand on or walk on for many hours. No, our feet, along with our legs, take care of that, thank God. Paul is showing us within the life of the church, we as members of Christ's body all have limitations, but the limitations in one member is the means of action and function for another member. My arm is not jealous of my feet. My feet are not envious of my hands or arms because each and every member has its own specific use in supporting the life of the whole body. That's why it's such a magnificent revelation that Paul gives to us when he parallels the body of Christ to our physical body. It reveals so much. Imagine one day we all woke up to find that every part of our body decided to be another part just for one day. What a mess it would be. No, that's not the case. There's order. There's design. It's only when each part functions in the place where God has placed it that we can enjoy peace, unity, and success in the work of the Lord. Remember, Paul had previously said in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 12 that God, listen carefully to these words and take notice of them, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Keep those words up there just a second, John, if you wouldn't mind. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he has pleased. What is this telling us? Well, firstly, it's telling us this. There is forethought and design in setting and placing your life 
within the body. God has had forethought, foreknowledge about your life. You're not just here by random selection. You're not just here as a, as a matter of circumstances and decisions. There's been forethought and planning in your placement within the body of the King's Church and within the wider body of Christ. Hallelujah. God has set the members, each and every member in this place, God has set each one of them here. There's forethought and design in your placement within this body. God's thoughts and understanding about you, specifically about you, caused him to set you where you are. Paul adds that your placement in the body of Christ was just as God pleased. Just as God pleased. That means where God has placed you brings him pleasure because you can fulfill his purpose for your life and be fruitful and flourish in the grace gifts that he's given you within his body. There's exactness here in these words. There's precision. There's care. God is pleased where he has set us all respectively in place. So just to restate this before we move on, Paul makes it crystal clear that each and every member exists to express God's purpose and not to compete with the function of another. We are all here set in place by God's wisdom where each member is subservient to all the other members and where the strength of all other members are there to serve each individual member. We are a body of many members not competing, but completing one another in Christ Jesus. Paul's encouragement to the church at Philippi was for them to esteem others better than themselves. And the thought is the same. This subservient spirit within each member of the body supporting all the needs of others by not focusing on its own self is how members in the body of Christ in the church must live. Philippians 2, let me read it to you. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4, incredible words. He says this, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. This type of living leads to us completing one another and not competing with one another. Okay, so let me move on. The next 
observation and point that I want to make about the believers that Paul regarded so highly in Romans chapter 16 is that, fourthly, their sense of importance came from purpose, not prominence. In this chapter, you see it so wonderfully. 24 names of people that Paul commends and honors, and more than that, when he commends the small churches in the homes and the the groups beyond them. 24 people and many more, all from different walks of life, working together as one. Some were prominent, some were not. But it didn't matter to any one of them because they found their importance not in having prominent positions, but in the purpose that God had set for each one of them. Paul makes this very clear in his message to the Corinthians when he reminded them that all of the vital parts of their body were not parts that were seen. The vital parts of the body that are necessary for life are hidden away and completely out of sight. Listen to how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 23 through to verse 25. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. The point that's being made here is that the purpose of a member is what gives it significance, not It's prominence. You look around and you listen to people in our world, and many are desperate for prominence. But Paul shows us that our lives can be hidden away in service, unnoticed in the background of church life, and even overlooked. Yet that that is never a measure for significance or importance. Because just like our internal organs are never seen or made visible, life without them would be completely impossible. You can't see your liver. You can't see your kidneys or your heart or any other vital internal organ. But try living without them. It's not possible. Even though they're hidden, Even though they're never prominent, their importance is based not on their prominence, but on their purpose and on their placement within the body. So the life of the church is as dependent upon the unseen, the unnoticed, the unheard believer as it is on the seen the noticed, and the heard believer. And that's the unmissable point that Paul is making here. Just because you're unseen in the body, just because you're unheard, just because very often you're unnoticed, that does not signify your importance at all. 
because your importance is not dependent according to the word of God on your prominence within the body. Your importance is based on your purpose. Think for a moment about all of those internal organs, those hidden parts of your body that you've never seen. that are hidden away, that we take for granted every single day. Yet if any one of those were removed, the whole body would feel the loss. These are the great truths that Paul places before us. And when we understand them, what happens is we begin to deeply appreciate one another, irrespective of where God has placed us in his body. Whether we are hidden away or prominent, it matters not. Because our importance comes from our purpose. And that purpose has been defined by God. And is discovered and seen in where he set us and placed us by his own hand. So the fifth point of observation that I see working among these believers in Rome that Paul honors and commends is that they were interdependent, not independent of one another. They were interdependent. They knew that their lives were joined. They knew that Jesus had brought them together, that he'd called them out of the world from all of their respective places, wherever they were in life, and they'd been brought together as one. And there was a wonderful interdependence, one with another, that they had, which made them so strong, which made them so relevant and empowered to speak into the world and the city in which they lived. They were interdependent, not dependent of one another. It's been said that the human body has 206 bones. I know that because I counted mine earlier. <laughs> Have a go. It's an interesting exercise. The human body has 206 and six bones, 639 muscles, about six pounds of skin, along with ligaments, cartilage, veins, arteries, blood, fat, and much, much more. Every time we hear a sound, every time we take a step, every time we take a breath, hundreds of different parts work simultaneously together so that we experience a single movement of our minds and our bodies working together as one. Even the greatest engineers can't achieve anything like it. The human body 
represents one of the most glorious, complex living systems in existence because every part is interdependent and no part is independent of another. Every part is interwoven together with a wonderful interdependence. And that's what Paul's revelation is all about. That's why it's so powerful, because he's showing us that our lives are never independent of one another in Christ, but they're interdependent, connected, and joined together as his church and as his body. Joined together. Not, inde not independent, but interdependent in one another to the degree that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. We all suffer with that member. And when a member is honored, we all rejoice with it in honor. We all share we all celebrate and we're all thankful that one is lifted up and honored among us. Listen to how Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 25 through to verse 26, words I'm sure you'll know. He says in verse 25 that there should be no schism in the body. But the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So Paul is showing us this wonderful connection, this wonderful interdependence that the body of Christ has, just like our human physical body has, the body of Christ has, as we are together as a family, our connectedness and our interdependence is there in Christ Jesus to the extent that when one suffers, we all suffer and our strength and our energy goes to support that one suffering. When one rejoices, we all rejoice and are thankful for that life that's prospering, for that life that's growing, for that life that's coming through into new areas that Jesus is bringing into it. It's a means of celebration. It's a, it's a moment where we are equally honored as they are because we have this interdependence and this connection and this relationship within the body, his church. Do you know, it's interesting, I was, as I was uh, preparing this message this week, on Tuesday, some of my daughter hurt her finger when she was playing netball. And um, initially when we looked at it, I, I thought she broke it. And consequently, she was in a lot of pain. She came home, and she was crying. And relatively, 
relatively speaking, when you, when you look at the finger that was hurting, it was just a small member of her body. But the pain that she was experiencing in that small member of her body captivated her whole being. Her eyes cried tears. The words of her mouth explained the pain that she was feeling. Her right hand or her left hand, I can't remember which one was in pain. I think it was her left hand went to aid her right hand and she was continually holding her right hand and forming a protective shield around the, the, the finger that was broken. Even her walk, watched her walk. Even her walk was more cautious than normal as her whole body tried to compensate and comfort the one little part that was suffering and in need. And it's like that in the body of Christ. It's like that in this family, the King's Church. When one suffers and we hear about it and we feel it, we absorb that pain together. When one of us are going through a difficulty, it's not a time to run and hide. It's a time for the body to come round that one member that's suffering and through practical care, through prayer, and through many other means, we can bring that part back to full strength together again. It's not isolated. It's not separated when one suffers. No, the whole body cares for it. I don't know what they do now, but, you know, when, you, when people broke their arm, one of the things they used to do or sprained their arm, doctors used to strap it in a sling to the body. It was strapped to the body. It wasn't left to hang loose. It was strapped closely firmly and tightly to the body so that it could be protected, strengthened, and brought back again to full activity. It's like that in the church. As we go through our experiences in life, as we carry our burdens, as we face our challenges, as things just come about that we hadn't anticipated for and we recoil and we are afraid or we don't know what to do we're not on our own we're not left in a place of despair Jesus is with us he never leaves us or forsakes us but we are all here as his body together respectively to look after that one that suffers. And I saw that. I saw that when Summer came home just this week with her finger that was hurt. But also in contrast to that, just this week, Daniel, my son, received A's and A stars in some of his first year A-level exams. He's been doing so good. 
He's been working very hard. Very hard. Every night. Hour after hour. We just don't see him. <laughs> He's doing A-level maths, A-level physics, and A-level computer science. I mean, big subjects. And uh, he's come down on a few occasions and talked me through the equations. And I sit there. And I sit there. And I say, that's right, son. <laughs> Absolutely, son. Definitely. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with that one. Yeah. When you get into engineering, son, I can see how that force is going to apply. <laughs> In all honesty, he knows. He knows it's going straight over the runway. That's why I've got a runway on my head. People keep trying to land things on it, and they put, look at they put down the middle of it. Goes right down the runway and off the end of it. I can tell you. It's another language, that stuff. But you know what? He's worked so hard. He has worked so hard. <coughs> and um, it's been wonderful, honestly, to see. And I've just watched as, as a dad. It's been wonderful for everybody to be so excited to hear about Daniel's great news. Summer with a hurting finger. She forgot about her hurting finger. She wanted to congratulate her brother. Eden, Sienna, Faye, they're all around him. Yes, you've done well. Excellent. And it's just been an interesting week just to see how this has worked out in the home. Because sometimes... The very extremes that we see out there in life in relation to suffering and in relation to celebration, we see together at work in the body of Christ. When there's suffering, together we attend with it. When one rejoices, we rejoice with them and feel the honor that they feel. What is it? It's an interdependence with one another that's evident in the body as we go through life together. This body, Paul says, is to have no <coughs> schisms or groups that are insular or isolated from the rest. The life of Christ must flow freely through all to all. There's an openness there's no divisions. When you read Romans chapter 16 and you read on beyond the list of names that Paul highly commends, you can do your, your study of this. Go home and read it. Read the, the entire chapter. After he commends the, the many people that he loves and regards as his friends, he deals with division. Division. Because if there's one thing that tries to break apart this precious body, if there's one thing that tries to injure and hurt the wonderful 
design that God has brought together, setting each member in its respective place, is division. And Paul warns those believers at Rome to be aware that there are those out there that would seek to divide. There are those out there that would come with another purpose, that would come with another plan, that would, would have an agenda packed into their heart. Oh, they're lovely on the outside. They can sing in tune. They can do all of the right stuff, but hidden in their heart is another agenda other than the body that Christ has brought, brought together. And Paul warns them about that because the church, the church, is a collection of many, many different people all brought together by God, pre-planned, forethought, brought together, each and every member respectively in their place, placed with purpose under God's supervision. And Paul says, be aware, be aware, and have nothing to do with anybody that is divisive. It's good to remember that. It's good to think about that because we're so thankful. We're so thankful for what God has done in our hearts, aren't we? As we come to a close today, I just want to remind you again of the points that we've looked at through last week and this week. We've said that the believers in Rome that Paul commended so highly in Romans chapter 16 were active and not passive. Like them, let's always give Jesus first place in all of the activities of our lives. Let's commit our lives to build his church together through our involvement and our active service. Now I'm going to pick on a person now because they just said, Amen. No, Trish. I know we shouldn't pick on people, but I'm going to pick on her. Is that okay? Is it okay? Can I pick on her just for a few moments? Do you know what? There's an active member right there. And I, look, we could go around the room, right? But I got to commend this lady. I got to commend this lady. And I could commend many, many more. But you know what? When I go in on a Monday morning, usually she abuses me. <laughs> tells me how rubbish my sermon was. <laughs> but I tell you what, she's a fantastic worker. No, she's, she's wonderful. She always encourages me. But she, do you know, irrespective of what season Trish is going through, I've seen it. You can't miss it. And she doesn't even, you know, she doesn't even make it apparent, but irrespective of what season she is going through, she's there. Whether she's feeling well, whether she's feeling physically weak, I mean, it's quite remarkable, to be honest with you. And we've got a number of other older ladies, older gentlemen in our congregation that, irrespective of the challenges that they're having within 
their bodies because as we get older, we get weaker and we get more frail. But what I'm encouraged by is that these, these older members of our congregation, I tell you what, they are setting the bar high. They really are. They are setting the bar high. Norma, Barbara, Kerry, look at them, Anne. They're all on the back row, look at them. The four of them. They set the bar high for us younger ones, us 20-year-olds. 20 they set the bar high, irrespective of what they go through, irrespective of how they feel. I don't, I don't see these ladies ever checking in, ringing up, saying, oh, I won't be there today, having a bad day. Won't be there today, not feeling very well. I mean, I've known Trish have, it, have an appointment with the consultant, and she wouldn't tell you this. But it's, it's really good. Do you know what? It's really, why it's really good to say this? Because it just, in saying it, you understand somebody's spirit, their spiritual life. She's had, she's had one day she's had a meeting with a consultant. The next day she's back in, not knowing the results, having to wait months but in working tirelessly in the work of the Lord. And let me tell you, it's not prominent work. It's hidden, hidden away in a back room. But you take, you, you, you take her work away, and there's, there's a big gap to fill. And the four ladies at the back, working hard, serving. And I know that goes right across this body. And it's not, listen, I've said this, I've said this in weeks gone by. It is not just about what you physically do. Some people, like Lynn Bowen, I'm going to keep you here all day now. Like Hugh, Sue, and Caroline, right? They pray. Hugh prepares our studies. And I tell you, if you can make sense of my notes, it's a miracle. And he makes sense of them. <laughs> But we've got, we've got a wonderful family. People who are not necessarily prominent. Many cases hidden away. But they're working tirelessly. They're active. Not passive. Let's commit our lives to build his church together through our involvement and active service like the many examples in this room. Secondly, we've seen how their differences brought diversity, not division. All of us here this morning and watching online have many differences, but these differences are a means of incredible strength and wisdom that God's brought together. Our diversity brings unity, not division, which is wonderful. Then thirdly, we've seen that they lived We've mentioned this this morning, to complete, not compete with one another. Competitive relationships bring conflict. But living to complete others with our lives brings blessing. There's nothing like it. God promised Abraham and all of his offspring that he would bless him and bless them to be a blessing. 
and our lives are blessed to be a blessing. That's what church is. Relationships completing one another in Christ. Then fourthly, we saw again this morning that the believers in Rome never lost sight that their importance came from their purpose, not from their prominence. Each one of us, each and every one of us realized this this morning. You have been set in the body by God. And it's that placement by God that determines your purpose, not your prominence. And then finally, let's be a family. Let's be a family that live interdependent as his body, not independent of one another. Fellowshipping on a Sunday together and through the week builds us together as his people. We don't ever want to live independent of one another. You leave today and the Holy Spirit is going to maybe remind you of somebody that you need to call, that you need to encourage, that you need to strengthen, that you need to come alongside. The Holy Spirit is going to bring a desire, a deeper desire to join a connect group. Connect groups, a lot of them are on summer break at the moment, but come September, it's exciting. We got our connect groups. And like I said last week, you might be here and you might still be wondering about your fit in this church. Where do I fit in all of this? I come to church and I love it and I, I, I love enjoying. I enjoy being with, with people. But where do I fit? Listen, open your heart. Remain expectant. Stay prayerful. Your fit is going to be right in one of our connect groups. And you're going to be a blessing. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. But the people in that group need you. They need you to be a blessing to them. You're going to be a blessing. It could be that you're going to be a host home. You're going to use your home. Already got a number of people that have come forward and they want to use their homes as a means to host the church believers in their locality. What a great heart. Listen, we've only got one life to live. Let's use it for Christ. We've only got one life to live. And it's passing one day at a time. Let's be interdependent. Let's look out for the needs of each other. Let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. But in lowliness of mind, let's consider others more important, one another, than ourselves. Whether it's by praying, whether it's by practical support. Let's take all of those steps that we need to take to be this interdependent body that Jesus has brought together. Amen. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close Right now, I'm going to pray in just a moment. You may be here today, and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You've never asked him to be your personal Savior. 
I was with six young men last Sunday evening. And I looked at them and I said, boys, bit of a strange question to ask you. Would you like a Bible? Young lads, 16 years of age, just finished school. I said, boys, I said, when I was 15 years of age, life was in a real mess. I had a big hole inside. I tried to fill it with everything. And it just seemed as if the hole got bigger. I said, my life was full of sharp edges. Anybody that touched it got hurt. And that was at 15. I was on, I was on a road to hell, believe me. And I was taking others with me. But a man told me about Jesus. This is what I told these young men. I said, a man told me about Jesus. He said, Dave, the answer to that black hole inside that you're trying to fill that causes you many sleepless nights and anguish and anxiety and pain, the answer to that black hole is Jesus Christ. I said to him, but I can't be a better person. I've tried. He said, you don't have to be a better person. Jesus Christ died for sinners like you. Well, I knew I was a sinner even at 15 years of age. I'd stolen bikes and done a lot of other things. I liked bikes even back then. I was nicking everything. Living in Northern Ireland, violent, angry, getting involved with all of the wrong crowds that you don't want to know about. But this man stood by me. And as he said that, my language was colorful. And I told him where to go. And I turned around, and as I walked off, my heart sank. It was like my heart was saying, you need what he's offering. It was a number of years later, I was in a tent in a field. And that black hole was just even bigger and more out of control. And another man stood up. And he said, you're here this morning in this tent. You need Jesus Christ to come in to the black hole inside of you. Do you know what? I wept like a baby. Because God had given me another opportunity. And in simple faith, I didn't see any angels. I've never seen an angel. In simple faith, I said, I believe. I believe I'm a sinner. I've got 15 years of evidence to prove it. I believe I'm a sinner. I need saving. This man says that Jesus died on the cross to take my sin. I want to give you my sin, Jesus. I want to believe that you're willing to come into this empty, dark heart. And I said, please come in. I believe that you're alive, that you rose from the dead on the third day. And the Prince of Peace turned my tears into joy. I'm 52 years of age now. No, I don't look it. I'm 52 years of age today. Got some of the lines to prove it. I'm 52 years of age today. I have never once regretted that decision 
at 15 years of age. Never once, I am not a religious person. I am not following rules and regulations. I have a, re I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He comes to live inside you. The Prince of Peace said, Dave, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I told these young men that, right? And they were just there like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I said, boys, I said, I bet you never listen to your teacher like you're listening to me, do you? <laughs> Gave them a Bible. And I could see that there was rucksacks on their back. I said, now, where are you going tonight? You're going camping in those woods, aren't you? They said, yes. I said, well, you're going to be praying a lot. They said, why? I said, because there's ghosts and bears in those woods. <laughs> I did. I promise you. That's what I said. I said, there's ghosts and bears in those woods, so you better start praying, boys. I said, no, I'm only joking, boys. I said, listen. I said, listen. I said, I love Jesus Christ with all of my heart. I love him. I said, boys, he loves you, and you can have a relationship. You can have a relationship with him. I said, I'm off now. And off I pedaled on my way home. Fantastic. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like telling people about Jesus. And when I go out later on my bike, if I see some, they're going to get it as well. Young or old. That's the way to live. Just telling the world that Jesus loves them, that he died to save them, that he wants to live in them. You may be here today. You've never asked Jesus Christ to be your savior. Right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You simply have to believe. The Bible says, whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You make a call, you make a call on your mobile phone. Very often, you'll get an engaged tone or some kind of recorded response to tell you that you're not important. When you call on the name of the Lord, immediately there is assistance for your life. You shall be saved, the Bible says. You shall experience the supernatural life of God. Make the call today. As you believe, I'm going to pray quietly. Say these words after me in your heart. And you will experience this glorious salvation in Jesus Christ. Not just today, for the rest of your life. And on beyond this life forevermore. Let's pray. Say this. Lord Jesus... I know I am a sinner. But I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I accept that. Thank you that you were punished for all of my sins so that I will not be judged for them. You bore my punishment so that I might be free and acquitted from all guilt. Thank you. I accept that, and I believe that. I also believe 
that God raised you from the dead on the third day. Now I ask you to live in my heart. Prince of Peace, come into the black hole of my life and be Lord of it. I ask you for new life. I ask you for your Holy Spirit to be my helper, to fill me with salvation right now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, before you go, we have a Bible that we would love to give you and a little stories book, stories, testimonies of members from this church that have seen God do incredible things in their lives. If you prayed that prayer, you're watching online this morning. We'd love to send you a Bible free of charge. It's all free of charge. If you want to, you can receive one. We will send that to you. It will be a priority for us to send it to you. Just send us a little line on email at contact us at King's Church and we will get that off to you. We won't send anything weird to you, to your address. We won't do, we won't send on your address to anybody else. So don't be concerned. We'll simply send you a Bible and one of our stories books to bless your life. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Why don't we just give Jesus thanks for his word this morning. And let's go out expectant this morning to bless our world. God bless you.